Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. But you need to know my history. Okay, you're gonna do it. No. Okay. Hi, Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. Uh, I got a guy who's so jonesing to be on this show. I'm going to do the credits later. Let's do it. Jerry Beck, welcome to the program. I'm just jonesing. This is Jerry Beck. <laughs> Hi, Jerry Beck of CartoonBrew.com, mm-hmm. your animation blog, and you're on Facebook. And we met uh, last week, or maybe a week and a half ago at mm-hmm. Cartoon Dump. Yeah. With uh, Frank Conniff, mutual friend. Yes. And you do you own the cartoons that are shown on Cartoon Dump? That's my first question for you. Do I own them? Well, like, they're, where the hell do you co- get them? Well, yeah, they're, they're from my collection. You have a collection <laughs> of, of in some cases, horrible, horrible animation. Yes. But uh, they're fascinating because they're from like the 40s and the 50s and the yeah. 12th century. And- yeah. It's uh, well, well, long story short, and believe me, I've got lots of long <laughs> stories. Um, I personally have been going to Comic Cons. Now, you're wondering, how did they jump from Cartoon Dump and where you got right. these bad cartoons? But I'm jumping way back to tell you that. I'm a guy, I'm older, I'm an older person now, and I actually, as a young teenager, 13 to be exact, went to my very first comic book convention in the late 60s. In New York? In New York. I come from New York, and I went to, Phil Suling was the guy, he did start of the Comic Cons at 4th of July, New York, Comic Con was the big thing. Phil Suling? Yeah. Phil Suling was a comic book dealer who was a a Brooklyn high school teacher. He's he's passed away, but he... uh, uh, he was also a voice in Fritz the Cat. He's one of the uh, cops. You know the two really? cops that yeah. beat down the door. At one point, one of them is Ralph Bakshi, and one of them is is Phil Suling, his one of his best friends. <laughs> and Phil Suling uh, was a major comic book guy, and he started the uh, comic book conventions in New York and turned them into a a newsworthy thing. Uh, in I, the late sixties. In the late sixties, uh, um, I was. And you at, went to the first. One I went of the to first the. One? I went to the the last day of his first his first one. There were some little minor ones before that, but the, sure. his very just to be accurate. But uh, his first one in '68, I went to. I, I was sitting. It was every summer I had to go to the beach with my parents. I didn't want to. It was against <laughs> my will, and uh, we would just spend just sitting there on the beach doing nothing. And luckily, I could read comic books. And uh, my grandma, I'll never forget this. And somebody recently on YouTube found it and put it posted it. in 1968. Found a Daily News article about a comic book convention that was going on in uh, Manhattan, and it was in a I guess a Saturday edition of the paper because it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we were at the beach, and I'll never forget that, and she showed me that article, and I went nuts, and the next day I had to get into the subway, and I was 13 years old, and I had to go to this, I had to go to this place. By and yourself? Go, yeah, by myself, and I did it, and I, I went to this comic book convention, and it blew my mind, and... I spent a year fantasizing about going next year and, and the whole, and the, the whole, whole year, year. Going, and I the even the, the three or four fanzines I picked up, uh, at the time, uh, which I still have, um, wow. uh, one of them was a news zine and I subscribed to it and I, I would like look at those fanzines for all you, cause, cause that Comic Con and those fanzines represented to me uh, a window. We didn't have the internet then. We didn't have cable television. We didn't have anything back you in my stone age. You had television. You had right. three, four channels. We had nothing. Right? We had nothing. We had, I mean, comic books and, you know, and, and fantasy films and, and. What were but, you reading? Richie Rich? What was happening? Oh, no, you had Superman. We, oh no, are you kidding? We had the golden age of Marvel back then. Oh, we had right, uh, right. the great, the great, uh, Marvel, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee. Oh, 
all right. the stuff that's being made in the movies now, the was Avengers was actually we were we were envisioning the movie like the Avengers and these Spider-Man movies in our minds by reading right. the comic book back then. That's why yeah. I'm delighted with these new films. They they're the exact thing we read as kids, or at least the way we saw them in our minds. Right, right. But um, so so I loved Comic Con and fanzines, but Comic Con in particular represented. Uh, an escape from the world I was living in. It was, it was the world we wanted it to be, a world where you walk into this ballroom and it was kind of secret. Nobody downstairs, uh, it was on the 18th floor of a, of right. a hotel in New York. <laughs> and, but nobody knew you'd go up to this hotel and you take the elevator and then the doors would open and there'd be this, what would be a, what we'd call today a dealer's room. And then there'd be a panel room with all of the guys who wrote the comics you love. And, and, and there'd be a movie room and they'd be showing old movies and cartoons and like, and, and it was wow. like, and I heard, I saw Looney Tunes for the first time with an audience at a comic book convention and heard them laughing at the Daffy Duck cartoons that I was just right. watching at home with my mouth closed, like just watching <laughs> it like it was like normal <laughs> real life going on. But like it was some sort of drama. Yeah, but, but the thing is, this was this world of people who were like me who cared about this stuff and it was, and it was so secret and crazy and little and, and, um, and, you know, I mean, it, it got me through life. It got me through teenage years because totally. I knew, I knew my tribe existed. Right somewhere. There yeah. were people like you. And I knew once a year the portal would open and I could <laughs> join them for a few moments on the planet Ron and, 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 and take the Zeta beam back to Earth, you know, my What's real the life. Zeta beam? What's well, the this Zeta is beam? all a, I was just, not, uh, uh, riffing or not riffing, referencing, uh, uh, Adam Strange in Strange Tales. Tales? The old, uh, yeah. uh, that was a DC comic. He would he would have to s- calculate where this thing called a Zeta beam would strike. This is, go find these comics, and th- he's a normal guy. I, I, don't, I guess his name is Adam Strange, and he and he would um, he'd have to calculate where this beam was going to strike somewhere on the Earth, and he'd have to get to it. And if he got there right in time, the beam would hit, and he'd be transported to this the planet Ron, where he's like a Flash Gordon, he's like a superhero. Oh, okay. On that planet, but then he has to go back to Earth. It, it shifts them back. It's very out. strange. It was a great comic book. Oh, cool. Anyway, Adam Strange. It's actually, you can get, they've reprinted it in those For thick strange volumes. tales and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, those sort of essential. Yeah. yeah. So is that what sort of, cause you had watched obviously animation before. Yes, then, on television. I took it all seriously. I, I still. You took it seriously? Yeah. I never laughed at cartoons. The only time I, I've said this a few times that to my friends, I said the only, first time I ever remember laughing at an animated cartoon was a Beanie and Cecil episode where I, uh, I'm unfamiliar with the works you know, of Beanie and Cecil. Oh, you are familiar or not? No, I am oh, not. Oh, it's Beanie, ba- and Cecil? Beanie and Cecil. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Beanie and Cecil were a, a, a the sea six sea serpent, a sea, a sea serpent and a little boy companion okay. that went on adventures, and it was a very famous puppet show. It was a Mary, uh, puppet show back in the late '40s, early '50s, oh. and it won Emmys, and then it disappeared for a bunch of years. And in the early '60s, it came back on as a cartoon show, and it's wonderful, and you can find them on DVD. Right. And it's it's and it was created I'm by sure Bob Clampett. On, okay. Oh yes, and Bob Bob Clampett was one of the great and perhaps my favorite Warner Brothers cartoon director. Oh really? And he he created Beanie and Cecil when he left Warner's in the forties. He then went on to do this TV show, which he suddenly became a superstar puppeteer. He's now right. forgotten, unfortunately, by most people. But Beanie and Cecil semi lives on, and yeah. uh, and uh, but that was the first cartoon I remember laughing at a joke in because uh, I even remember the joke. It had something to do with uh, uh, vitamin B. Uh, this 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 weightlifting uh, lion uh, takes some vitamin B and he accidentally somehow swallows a beehive. And he says, vi- he says vitamin B and the bees fly out of his mouth as he says B. And I remember as a kid laughing at that. I, I remember as I was, was doing it, it remember yeah. thinking, 
Oh, we're well, supposed to laugh at these things. Right. They're jokes. They're but jokes. um I never heard an audience do it before. Um in fact, I I've also recalled uh, on a couple other podcasts that that I uh when I was 5, uh I when I was 5, the Flintstones went on the air for the first time. Okay. And it was a primetime show at 8:30 at night. And of course, little kids, oh, really? which I was, a very little kid when I was 5, uh had to go to bed at 7 p.m. Mm. And so I would I went to bed at 7 p.m. and I remember waking up at what I thought was the middle of the night because it was pitch black out and getting out of my bed and going to see my mommy and going into the bedroom and <laughs> luckily they weren't doing anything uh, that they could have been doing at that time but they were watching right. the Flintstones and you were like what a rip and I was fi- no I was thinking yeah sh-. but no actually my brain said oh there's cartoons for adults too at night oh, I, okay. I actually remember thinking I remember thinking so, uh, so early on the prejudice that cartoons is just for kids I did not have it cartoons okay. are for anybody you know at any time but it's right, right. mainly based on having seen my parents watching the Flintstones, which was a brand new novelty thing at the time. But we have jumped all around. So I'm going to tell you about oh, the worst cartoons. And I was talking about Comic-Con because I love comic books. I love Comic-Con. I love being I- involved in that universe. And I ended up um, wanting to see a lot of these classic cartoons, films, the Mickey Mouse Club, things that I wanted to see. Now, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have videotape. Right. We didn't have any way to see stuff over again once it was past its prime, except one way I found out. I found this out by going to the Comic-Con, which was you could somehow acquire 16-millimeter film prints. Okay. It was technically underground and illegal. I did not know that, but it was it, it was It was, it was doable. To yeah. buy the prints? Yeah, technically. It was illegal because technically – they didn't sell them to the public. Okay. Uh, they were old movie, uh, old TV station copies that were thrown away. And there was an oh. underground right, for right. this. Where they were and, like, don't throw these yeah, out. Yeah. And also in the seventies, uh, when I got into it, the, um, the, the, uh, we, we didn't have, again, we didn't have videotape piracy, but, but the, <laughs> the, the, the big studios were against film collectors because they, film collectors were stealing our property. Right. Like we own, right. you know, Gone with the Wind. How dare somebody have a print? Well, I never collected Gone with the Wind, but right. I was collecting Looney Tunes and mm-hmm. other cart, obscure cartoons that were becoming more and more obscure as time went on. And, I also collected a lot of superhero films, and I ended up uh, talking to Phil Suling, and I became, at one point in the 70s, the film guy. I became the guy who I had a projector. I had the films. I had superhero films that I had collected, and I became the guy to show movies at the uh, at the Comic-Cons. And wow. in doing that, and in just in my general interest in animation, um, acquired many, many, many uh, old film of prints. prints of, of old, bad car- – actually, my attitude was anything. I just wanted to collect every – I really wanted – one or two examples of almost any show that I could get my hands on, anything I liked or didn't like even. And I found uses for the stuff I didn't like, you know, you know, um, Oh, uh, you know, Melt like, it down for well, my, my favorite one is, um, actually, I, here's the weird thing. I love this show now. I really do, but I didn't like it, um, uh, years later, like in the seventies, there was a show called Colonel Bleep. I don't know if you've ever heard of that no. one. Well, Colonel Bleep is an interplanetary space policeman okay. who comes to earth and solves crimes with his caveman and puppet companion. <laughs> the whole thing sounds so bizarre. And it was a show that was run. Wait. Wait, yeah, he's Colonel a policeman. Lee. Yeah. There's a caveman. There's yeah. a puppet. And the three of them solve crime in Yeah, a interplanetary city? crime. And, interplanetary. and in the city, too. Yeah, super, in the future, if that makes any sense either. No. No, no it doesn't. doesn't. What and, channel was that on? Uh, well, in New York, it was on, I don't know, probably on Channel 4, but uh, NBC, but it was on like at 6 in the morning. It was the, I call those the warm-up cartoons. They ran these weird 
like Dodo the Kid from Outer Space. Did you ever hear that one? <laughs> no. So no. Dodo was an English <laughs> series. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I, I know this is too much information. And no, that's good, gets, though. But uh, Dodo the Kid from Outer <laughs> Space, I'm sure everybody remembers the theme song on that. But um, Could you sing a few bars? I, uh, Dodo the Kid from Outer Space. Dodo can go go any place with propellers, propellers on his heels, antennas on his ears. He's a science fiction pixie from a strange atomic race. Dodo the Kid from Outer Space. Yes. Dodo. Yes, yes. There you go. nice work. There you go. But the uh, uh, the they would run these cartoons like at six, seven in the morning before the Hanna Barbera and better, better cartoons. I say with right. air quotes. And um, so, uh, so again, as a teenager, that stuff was considered junk by me, yeah. but but even by me, and and but I would collect it anyway because I wanted anything to do with any of that stuff. And plus, Dodo and Colonel Bleep were science fiction and superheroish, so it was kind of like they fit into the whole superhero thing. That so I could you started run doing a this when you were a teenager. Yeah, you were doing yeah. like you were like. 15, 16, and, yeah. and running this stuff yeah. at Comic Con in yeah. New York. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely. It's set in, in when I was I, I can the one I remember vividly. I was doing it before this. That's but, so weird. But in nineteen seventy six, I was sixteen. Okay, is that true? No, wait a minute. That's not true. That's not true. I was older than that. I that would have made you born nineteen sixty. You're right. I was born in fifty five. Oh, okay. Told everybody twenty one. It's on my email. It's on my Facebook page. Uh, yeah, I was twenty one. I do remember doing the con while I was showing. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Uh, the as it was the Fourth of July. It was you had a the, copy of Plan Nine. From yeah, Outer Space? and we and we and we showing that in sixteen while the fireworks were going off over Manhattan, uh, right outside the ballroom window, and people were like, "Can does anybody turn off the noise out there?" Because it's it's the fireworks, you know. It's like <laughs> anyway. And of course, the phone rang. Mm. Yeah, keep talking. All right. Well, she'll go get the phone because this podcast doesn't stop. So anyway, I'd been collecting this stuff for years and years and years. Good bad and ugly okay and um a, i can't believe you had a, a print one of the original prints of the plan nine from outer space yeah yeah i had so i you know it's weird I, I except for a few exceptions uh i've sold most of my i hardly ever had features anyway i i had features that would come and go okay i had really oddball stuff but i i didn't really collect features i i mostly they're gone now i i probably have a couple of things left but mostly i collect shorts okay i mean who has the room for all this so i I have, I collect lots of, the, the reels are big. Yeah. Like the cans. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. It's huge. So, so, uh, shorts were much better. You, they were much easier to keep. And I, I didn't really care about collecting features. It wasn't my thing. Right. Um, but, um, so, so this is all happening though before you're 20, essentially. Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh yeah. I, I, I spent my bar mitzvah money on, <laughs> a, on a movie projector, which at the time was in the range of $500, which was a lot of money then. Yeah. And even, it's even a lot of money now. I mean, it's, if you're it's ridiculous. Are you kidding? Yeah, That's exactly. Great deal of money. Yeah. It was, it was like, but I bought a brand new Bell and Howell, you know, projector at the camera store. Wow. And I wanted like, I, I just wanted to have State the top of the, of the line thing. I still have that projector today, by the way. And I had it Does reconditioned. It yeah, I had it reconditioned. I actually haven't used it in years at this point, but I do know it works. Mm-hmm. And um uh that was my my main anyway, the I'd been doing this, so cut to ten years ago, um I was at the Comic Con and I was involved with some things and I, I don't even remember how it started, but I was asked to do a show. Oh, I know what it is. I, I'll go back a little bit. At some point, about 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, I was asked um, by an animator to who who liked watching old cartoons. Animators love to watch old cartoons. I mean, that's that's a great thing. They want to know what has been done. And okay. and um, this is before a lot of them were on video and uh, you know and DVD and all that. And I was and this 
one animator asked me, what do you have? And I showed him some great stuff. And then he goes, well, show me like, what's the worst stuff you have? He just said that. <laughs> the worst? Okay, I'll show him. And I went to the bowels of my collection and pulled out the Colonel bleeps and things that I hadn't seen myself in years. Mm-hmm. And we're watching it. And the big revelation was that Colonel Bleep is actually pretty good. Artistically, visually, Artistically. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, stylized, 50s, modern-looking, cool cartoon. Okay. And I ultimately got to meet the guy who did it. He has now passed away. Uh, but was it was his name? His name was Jack Schley. Okay. And it's important that I mention him. You'll see why later. But Jack Schley was, a, was an independent guy in the 50s who was doing all kinds of graphics and animation for independent TV stations. He would syndicate little weather reports done with his cool graphics. Oh, okay. And he, his the guy who was distributing his weather report said, hey, you know, if you can come up with something that's five minutes long that we can say is a cartoon, you know, I can sell it. Uh, I can get it sold. So he came up with Colonel Bleep, which was based on the fact that he couldn't hire a voice. He couldn't hire voices. So <laughs> he, 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 so he came up with sound effects. He came up with characters that were based around sound effects because the I, caveman I did, didn't the ca- caveman's name was Scratch. The puppet's name is Squeak. And the, uh, <laughs> and he did hire one newscaster. The, the show was produced out of Florida, like Miami, Florida. And he hired wow. the local newscaster to be the, the, the narrator of the okay. show. Colonel Bleep's doing this. And Colonel, you know, and I, I kind of love that. He got a great quality. I, I love, I, I keep that in the back of my mind. If I ever do a show someday right. where I want to have a narrator, I'm going to like hire, like, I'm going to listen to the local newscasters. They have a great broadcast quality voice. Right. You know, that right. you kind of, uh, it's a great idea. So, um, I digress a lot. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, yeah. uh, so Colonel Bleep, uh, showing these cartoons. Oh, so, uh, I was asked to do this worst cartoon show. And then I, I said, you know what? I'm going to show this. So I ended up doing a public screening in LA of, uh, worst cartoons ever. Mm-hmm. And it was a big hit. And then somebody at Comic-Con, right. San Diego Comic-Con, San Diego, the big one, asked me if I could do that show, you know, right before the Spike and Mike show, kind of the hour before Spike and Mike on right. Saturday night. I said, all right, sure. So I did it there, and it was a big hit. Right. And I've been at, asked back every year to show an hour of uh, – I show different stuff every year. I still do it. Right. And a couple of years ago, about probably around the time I started doing it, uh, I did meet – I got to meet Frank um, uh, Conniff. Uh, Frank Conniff, friend of the show. Friend of the show. And – uh um, uh, see, my problem is with, with you is I could give you a detailed three-hour story on how I met Frank, but you would probably find fascinating too. But I won't go into that right now. So Frank <laughs> we'll came. Frank came to the uh, to the showing of the worst cartoons, and he laughed his ass off. And because there's nothing Frank loves more than, than cartoons than people mm-hmm. trying to do something and failing. Yes, <laughs> it really he has more Freud and joy than anyone I've ever met in my life. He's just like he, he's made I, a he loves career the effort. Out of it. Yeah. yeah, he loves the effort, and he loves. The the, the lack of success. And he's like, but, but look what they made. Yeah. 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 The, uh, so Frank and I, Frank and I are good friends and we, we have regular lunches and we would meet and we'd literally, even though we'd want to come to these lunches with the idea of coming up with some idea for a show, yeah. this was the original plan right. way back when, um, we would end up devolving by, by spending the entire lunchtime talking about the Abbott and Costello show oh, and right. specific episodes. But so, but one time I, I, I'd done, uh, leaving out a ridiculously long story about how I had a, a pilot once at Nickelodeon. I, I said, Frank, let's talk about this pilot. Maybe I can, you know, I want to redo the, the concept of it and I want to go back in and pitch it and, you know, you can be like the writer on it and we'll figure it out. And we never got around to doing that. But we, Abbott we, Costello. Right. Abbott Costello got in the way. And then, and then it was like probably the first or second or third of these lunches. It was probably the one after the recent Comic Con. And he was just dwelling in the badness of those cartoons I had just run. <laughs> 
And I said, you know, I was thinking since I had had run these bad cartoons before in L.A. to a private group, um, and then then I now I'm doing it publicly at the Comic Con. Thinking maybe it's a funny idea to bring those cartoons to a public show here in L.A. But like, I don't know. Just the pub, the, the show I do in L in, in at the Comic Con is basically I come on for about. 20 minutes, well, no, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Right. And I actually describe to the audience what they're about to see. Right. Because it works perfectly if you do that. I describe, and I, and the more detail I go into how bad the cartoon you're about to see is, or look for how big his hands are in that scene, or this kind of thing, the that better was the fascinating. reaction. fascinating. The night that I saw you, yeah. you went up and you, we, I saw the one where the guy was in the boat. There was one where the two guys were in the boat and they oh, never God. got anywhere. Oh, that sounds like uh, the Patty Pelican. Yeah, uh, um, one with the, the, the that's. <laughs> there was no animation yeah, in yeah, the animation. That's it. That was Patty Pelican. That that's one of the worst. Car- you know, they all are. They're one of the worst cartoons ever made. Right, because Cartoon Dump, you're just like, let me look in the back and right. see if I can find some seriously well, poorly made. Right, and so I, I, I after doing this for ten years, after collecting them for years, I did a book because I'm a writer too. I did a book called the Fifty Greatest Cartoons. In 1995, and ever since then, people send me. Well, here's a cartoon that won't make your book, and people people will send me stuff via video. They'll send. I'll, I'll buy films. I'll get, people send me films. You wouldn't right. believe this stuff. And um, so throughout the years, I've been able to do a ten, you know, ten shows so far with no repeats of uh, of really really bad cartoons at the Comic Con. So Frank, um, so Frank said, "Well, I got." He goes, "You know, you should do a show where the cartoons are shown." On what, what kind of show would have shown those cartoons? A right. really bad show. Oh, and like then, a variety. And Frank kind of went show. wild with the idea. He wrote songs. Uh, <laughs> we he wrote he wrote songs. He um, he's got sketches. Came up ske- right sketches. And um, I then took what he had, and I went to a friend of mine who was a uh, musician. We, he wrote the songs out with words. He didn't have the melodies, so no, I went to a guy. I went to a guy who, wrote, who who put the melodies to it, like the cartoon dump theme song and, and others. And and then uh, and then I found a guy. We we actually wanted to do it as a podcast first, and I found a guy who had been doing podcasts. And I said, uh, I mean, a, a video podcast. And, right. And, and, um, he had, I found a guy who I knew and he, he totally jumped on, jumped on board and created five podcasts, uh, for us, meaning he brought the camera crew in. We didn't pay him a cent. Now I'm, the guy. So the guy just produced essentially five episodes? Yeah. He, I mean, I mean, it's weird. I was the producer, but he was the director. But he, I gave him. I said, "Go do whatever you want to do." And he brought in art. He brought in these students from Cal Arts to build the sets and make the costumes. Wow. I mean, uh, and are and, those anywhere online that people can watch? Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, one or two of them are still on are on YouTube. But if you okay. Yeah. Go, I mean, Google YouTube. Google. Yeah. Cartoon yeah. Try. Dump, yeah. F- yeah. Cartoon Dump. Yeah. See okay. what you can find there. And those were the very first things we did. And um, we we were thinking this would just be a podcast. Period. How long did they run? Oh, they're only they're well, like they're about five to or? seven minutes. Okay. Five, yeah, they're, they they have the full length of a cartoon plus there's an opening and a closing. All right. And with Frank and 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 and, and you describing the cartoon as well? Actually, no, I'm not even in it. But um, I was just kind of a behind the scenes player. But what happened was, in order to even have we we put this thing together so cheaply and quickly and fast. And um, I had friends. I had, a friend of mine was is the man is and was the manager of the Steve Allen Theater. Okay. And uh, I had already been doing some things with old movies there. And I said to him, "Hey, I got this idea for a show. It's a crazy idea, but I'll tell you." I says, "I said all I want to do is I want to borrow your stage during the day to shoot the podcast." Okay. And he said, "He says you can do that." 
but you've got to, why don't you put the whole show on as a show in the evening right. and I can sell tickets and that'll yeah. make it worth me letting you have my space. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So we did do that. And he provide tech and everything. So you get yeah. the space and the tech for free and then yeah. they just get the door. Yeah. And well, no, we, we got a cut of the door too. And you even get a cut of the door. Yeah. That's so the, the thing nicest is, guy in the world. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Uh, Amit Idleman. Amit Idleman. Shout out to you for yeah. supporting, uh, he's, uh, it's, he changed the name of the, his, what he calls, he calls it tree, tree, I can't even pronounce it, tree penny house. Anyway, it's the it's Steve Allen theater. And if you go to anything there, he, he was the guy who made it happen. Anything right. that's, uh, that's there. He's still there now. And, um, he's he, probably there right now, right now, the second. <laughs> and, uh, so we did the, we did the first, uh, cartoon dump there and, uh, and it was a big hit. It was a big success. And he was like, can you do this next month? Yeah. And so we just, we have not, it's been five years now, at least. Five years. So here's, yeah. here's my questions. Uh, what Keep are, going. what are three, um, terrible cartoons that people can look up? Oh. Or one. We, I'll take one. One. Well, and I'm gonna pour I will coffee. tour, I will, I will bring it back to Jack Schley, the person who made Colonel Bleep. Colonel Bleep is a cartoon I would never run a cartoon up because it's really good in my opinion now. Okay. But Jack Schley made a, a cartoon series that we do show every month without question and every year at the worst comic sh- cartoon show at the Comic-Con. And There's that is something from Jack Schley happening. Is always, no, he, he was really a great guy. And actually the artwork in this cartoon is very good, but the concept is hilarious. <laughs> and that is Mighty Mr. Titan, the physical fitness superhero. Oh, I saw yes. I, that. You played yes. one of those. Yes. I play one every month. Wow, I, that was terrible. Yes. It's, I mean, if you can watch a cartoon with five minutes of a guy spinning his arm or sticking his ass up in the air. Uh, that is the entire animation. It's exactly it's 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 very Andy Warholish in my opinion. Right. It doesn't feel or holish in some way. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. So so Jack Schley did the Mighty Mr. Yes. Titan. Yes. And it, and it was to encourage physical, physical fitness. fitness right? It was a, during the Kennedy era. There was a big physical fitness craze during that period. One can look that up and find all <laughs> sorts of evidence of it. Except the, except for the overweight kids that came out of it. Right. But um, uh, yeah. So it's 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 it's. So I have all this stuff. I've collected all these films. We put together this show, and that's the, or- the secret origin of... Right. Now, now the reason, the one thing that, that is exciting to plug is yes. the TCM thing that you're doing in October. Oh, October, yes. Uh, 21st. 21st. It's a Sunday night. A Sunday night. You're going to sit with Robert Osborne. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Have you ever met Robert Osborne before? Uh no, I mean I shook his hand at some event once. Right. So I, you sit with him to introduce essentially six hours of animation. Yeah. What are what, what's the story behind that? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Well, first of all, I might as well plug what we are. We are showing uh, Gulliver's Travels, uh, Max Fleischer's uh, animated feature from 1939. It was the f- it was in in 1937, 38, yeah. 37. Although. End of 37, mainly in 1938, Walt Disney released Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And it was, before it came out, it was, it was considered a major joke in Hollywood that a full length oh, cartoon, right. who's going to sit through gonna, that? Yeah. Right. So Walt Disney released this film. It's the biggest thing. It's, it's the avatar, the Star Wars of its day. Right. It's huge. It's so huge that every studio in Hollywood as, as today sees money and they go, we need to do that. We're going to do but that. But how now. do we do that? Yeah. Right. So, m- m- most of them did it the way they would do it, which is they made a live action film. And the, the most famous of the live action films in response to Snow White yeah. is The Wizard of Oz. It, made, oh. it came out in 39. Yeah. That was MGM's answer to Snow White. 
That was why they made it. Uh, not bad. How do you not like bad. that? Yeah. Uh, Par- every studio did one. Paramount's answer, mm-hmm. and they were the only one to do this, was to go to their animation studio, which was the Fleischer Studio in New York, and they said, "Make us an animated feature like Disney did." And <laughs> he said, "Well, make a feature. Hey, it's easy. We're making we're making Popeye shorts, Betty Boop. We, we you know right, we're right. used to making black and white cartoons for six minutes. Right. You know, uh, we'd need we'd need millions of dollars." And Fl- Paramount said, "You got it." And they built them a huge building in Miami, Florida. They didn't want to leave the East Coast. But in Miami, Florida, they built this huge facility. The building itself still exists. I've been in it. Um, wow. Except it's not an animation studio anymore. It's like a... Loft. It's like a... Uh, no, it's like Planned Parenthood. and it, It's something like that. But it's still got the... You know, it's. I went to the bathroom in it. I said, "Can I use your bathroom?" I, I, I didn't really have to go, but it was like it was like the, you could see the fixtures and everything in it are from 1938. You know, it's like wow. All the, right. You know, Dave Fleischer pissed here. You know, <laughs> so um, but Fleischer's who did the Superman cartoons, the great ones. You know those. I I, I the have great seen old parts ones. Of, yeah, they're, they're really classic. Um, anyway, they did Gulliver uh, uh, as response, and that was a hit, and. What is it? It's, it's Gulliver's Travels. Travels. It's, it's uh, Jonathan Swift. The whole yeah. thing. The whole story. Well, it's not the whole thing. No, it's the Lilliput section, and it's okay. uh, it's uh, but it's very well done. It does. It's got a little bit of Disney touch to it, where they have some a couple of you know characters that are you know a little more Disney than they are Swift. But is there swinging singing? <laughs> there's it's both there's, there's singing both and swinging actually, <laughs> since it was during the swing era. Oh, right. But they did incorporate a little of that, just like uh, just like the Wizard of Oz, they cut out. L- Wisely, they cut out the jitterbug sequence in that film. You know about that? And the no, Wizard of Oz. I'm getting off no. on another subject. No, no, please. No, the Wizard of Oz. You don't know that? What? See, I'm, see, I could be on f- with literally, uh, hundreds of hours with you. Yeah. And just. Totally. Fa- all my knowledge. Do you know will- Dana Gould? I, well, he's been to our show many times. I can't right. say I'm his friend, but I know him he's from the that, show. Yeah. He's, he's got that thing where all of a sudden there's some sort of, giant story that you're like what happened and so wait there was okay. a jitterbug scene in the wizard of Oz. oh yeah there's a, there's a song called the jitterbug and you can find online uh recordings of judy garland singing it and i think it's a great song sure. uh i've listened to it many times but it's a swing number because they jitterbugging and swing was very in in the late 30s that was the the new thing at that point okay and they wanted to incorporate that in and so again the ey yip harburg and you know they wrote a song called the jitterbug uh and and what happens is the uh the the um the witch sends you know the part where the witch and the monkeys are going to come and descend on dorothy yeah and pick them up and fly them away into the if, right. in the woods okay they're in the there's woods. a there's there's an abrupt cut right there and you can it's the end of that number um oh. and it's the only evidence of it the uh uh, what happens is the she even makes a reference in the film you can see now. She makes references. She sent of something in advance ahead to slow them down. And she says, she might even say the little bug to slow them down. She oh. says it in the film, right? But you and never thought, see that part. The, the next puppies. thing is it cuts from them racing off to to. To, to them picking them I up. I thought it was the opium. That's what I thought. No, I thought that the shoe was no, referencing. No, 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 no. They, they get up from that and they, oh, they get, awesome. they get infected with this jitterbug, which is, was, was supposed to be with animation, cartoon animation of this bug. I don't know if they've ever done that sequence, but they, there is unbelievably, you can find this, I think, on YouTube, because I've seen it. I don't I'll, know. I'll put it in the notes. But, but, but you could, you could, you, you can find, this is shocking to me. There, there was once in a while these days, more so than ever, right. we're finding home movies of people, you know, of, of famous celebrities. And there's home right. movies Hitler. sometimes taken on the set of, 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 of some movies, 
you know, so it's shot off camera, but you can see the camera and you can see them. Oh, right, right. Some guy was on the set the day they shot the jitterbug number and filmed the silent color footage of of them doing the dance number for the jitterbug. And you see the trees swaying and stuff. The number that's not in the film, but there's this home movie footage. The, the actual footage of the Jitterbug apparently does not exist anymore. Right. It's like burned or whatever. Oh, I'm going to look for that. But this that. home movie footage yeah. of, of them, and plus you can get this, this, in fact, I think somebody even synced up the song to it. <laughs> so you can, it's, it's funny. I'll find it. I'll so find I forgot it. why I went off on that, but the well, thing because, is, because Max Fleischer, yes. Had a Jitterbug scene. Oh, right. So there's, well, there's a, there's a dance scene in it and there's a little bit of swing in that. More so in Fleischer's second follow-up feature, Mr. Bug Goes to Town, which was released in 1942, also by the Fleischer Studio, Paramount. Mm-hmm. Actually, so mm-hmm. th- th- these two films, by the way, are not only great films, but... Um, Mr. Bug Goes to Town, town. Is, a good, is, a good, uh, yeah. is a good film? Yes, it is. All right. Yes, it is. Note to self. Uh, uh, no, it's actually a, a lot of us, including me. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually like it better than Gulliver. Okay. And, and I like Gulliver a lot, but uh, Mr. Bug is a really fun film. Okay. It's, it's, it's an original story. It's not based on a fairy tale or a great book. Um, and that's it may be a first in that I don't think there was an I mean there wasn't an animation story that was original for a long long time in fact there weren't any other animated features except for Disney films until the late 50s uh, these two that were done 1930 in the 40s, uh, 30s and early 40s are uh, the only competition Disney ever had in its day uh, right. uh, until later later on when a lot of cheap crap was made you know uh, in the 50s and 60s and, and onward right, that, 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 um, I can go on and on about that, all this that yeah. stop motion thing and then well, well, there's Mad Monster Party. There's also I can go on and on about all the different Mad animated feature. You don't okay. know about that. See, I, feel like I could Matt just Wine name Hold. I could just name film after the Mad <laughs> Monster Party, which is worthy of looking at again in light of Hotel Transylvania, which will be coming out next month mm-hmm. because it's a similar similar plot and all that. Let me tell you, just let me just digress for a split second about Mad Monster Party and why okay. you should see it. Sure. All right. First of all, it's a Rankin Bass feature. Rankin Bass, who did uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Right. Which is a classic. Yep. Uh, and TV the Hobbit. Special. Did they do the? Oh, Hobbit they did the Hobbit the, too. Lord yes. Of the Rings. Uh, yeah. The, as, well, they did Lord of the Rings. Ralph Bakshi did, but the Hobbit was done by Rankin Bass. Who did Wizards? Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, that that'll make you want to cut yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, true. Uh, no, well, I'm not. I will hold off my opinion All there. Right. right. I know Ralph. Oh no. <laughs> in, in in the book, uh, the comedy film nerds book, I do a Oops. fantasy chapter. Sorry. And um and I I I wax poetic about how much the wizards uh blows. I am I am I the Are you microphone with me? the microphone doesn't can't pick this up. I'm with you on that. <laughs> No, I, I like I like wizards. Yeah. I like uh, wizards. Parts of it are great, yeah. and then other parts of it are terrifying and wrong. Yeah, you and know, just stupid. Uh, you know what? I can agree with you, but here's the thing: I saw it when it came out in '77. That'll help. That'll and help almost any. There was nothing in 1977 like it. Like it, right? All right. And so, I wanted to like it so badly. And I remember the first time I saw it, liking it a lot. But I saw it. You know why? Then I saw it several it, times. Yeah, but you, you know what? It. I saw it several times, and the more times I saw it, the more I kind of saw through it. And I said, eh, it ain't "It's so like good. you know what?" It, it, and I'm going to say another thing that is very popular. It reminded me of when I would sit sit and try to watch a David Lynch movie, oh, yeah. where I felt like David Lynch was sitting right next to me, <laughs> hitting me, going, "Look how weird I am. Am yeah. I am I weird? I'm weird. Look how weird <laughs> I am." And it just makes you want to choke David Lynch in his crib. <laughs> The, um, uh, not that he isn't a very gifted man. But anyway. uh, one last thing about the Mad Monster Party. It was written yeah. by Harvey Kurtzman. Okay. Does that was, name mean anything to you? No. Okay. Oh, gosh. 
Um, Harvey Kurtzman was the guy who created Mad Magazine or as okay. a comic book originally. Ma- Ma- Harvey Kurtzman is a comic genius. And I yeah. know that people listening to me this right now are rolling their eyes that Maybe you did not. not know who Harvey oh, Kurtzman is. Oh, the, the yeah. Rangers of the Dork Forest are yeah. constantly shouting, you've never heard of C.J. Sher- Cherry? Mm. That was the last episode that I just got feedback from. I foolishly just put some chocolate in my mouth, but I'm going to you know still talk. It's, it's, a, it's a dove uh, dark chocolate, mm. and you have to read the dark promise, by the way, that's on it. Mm. And you have to read it in a dark dark voice what is your sense? mine says indulge your sense of enjoyment sounds pushy doesn't it, it sounds does. a little bossy commercial oh did they did they give you a, a little salutary greeting at the end you know? love dove oh really they oh, love clever comma dove mm. what do you get do you get a love comma dove no i go respectfully yours dove no, oh, no you no, can right. read <laughs> yours is take care comma dove right don't right. forget to write later yeah, um, <laughs> happiness, happiness never decreases by being shared. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's nice. Uh, but the thing is, is it's one bite of chocolate, so there's no sharing it. Uh, here's the good news. There's other chocolate I know. in here. I, um, but then, um, then, and there's cashews. I, and what I like to tell people, Jerry Beck, is that, uh, if you're allergic to nuts, yeah, these not. cashews uh, were produced in a factory that deals with nuts. I was going to say these these cashews were, were done in a factory that uh, no peanuts, uh, no, no no right, no peanuts were involved. Right, no peanuts so were involved. So you can a, eat. Yeah. If you're only allergic to peanuts, you right. can eat these cashews. And uh, so, cartoonbrew.com. All right. Hey, and last thing I'll say about Mad Monster Party, just to stand. <laughs> do it. Uh, do it. Harvey Kurtzman, Jack uh, Davis, the great yep. car- caricaturist, designed the characters. Right. Uh, Phyllis Diller does a voice. Boris Karloff does a voice. Really. It's 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 a must see monster dork animated geek thing yeah, yeah. to see. Okay. So go see that. Um I was talking about that because we were talking about features and we're getting too far. But I was talking well, about TCM. 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 So we're going to run those two great classic animated features. You're going to run uh, the the uh, Gulliver's Travels. You're going to do Mr. Gulliver's? Bug Goes to Town, and then Mr. Bug Goes to Town, and, and then, then what, what else? Then we're going to show an hour of uh, UPA cartoons. Now you, you know What's what that was. UPA. Are? Okay, UPA, United Productions of America. UPA was the game changing animation studio of the 1950s. The, uh, game changing? What do you mean, Jer? Well, what do you mean, Jerry? Because before UPA. <laughs> We had Disney. Mm-hmm. We had Bugs Bunny and uh, uh, the classic Tom and Jerry cartoons. We had Wait. all these wonderful animations. That oh, right. Nothing That's... wrong with them. No, no, because Bugs Bunny was invented in the 40s. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Didn't right. he kill Hitler in one of those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we had, we had those great classic cartoons. But you know what? By 1950... You know, we've had 10, 15 years of cartoons that kind of look like Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, and like animation could be more than that, this studio thought. UPA. UPA. So they introduced the concept of modern art, of, of, of doing something differently, of adapting Dr. Seuss, of taking Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, of, of taking books like Madeline or, or Thurber's The Unicorn in the Garden and making <laughs> Animation. Really? Yes. And super dark. Yeah, a, a super dark, super dork, and super cool. And they, they, uh, they did this and they won Academy Awards. Their, their most famous film was, uh, the Gerald McBoing Boing, which won an Oscar. They also created the character Mr. Magoo. And, uh, for good or ill, they sort of introduced the idea of limited animation, but the, we are showing about six or seven of the greatest of the of the legacy of of the studio of UPA, including Gerald McBoingbong, Telltale Heart, and some others. Okay. Uh, in this hour, and you can see what that studio is all about, and a beautiful restored prints, and it's going to be gorgeous. Do you know? And this is not from the fifties, but I just bought last Christmas. I bought mm-hmm. Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Oh yes, it's one of the greatest. Christmas. Yes, I, I was great like, special. I could not because I loved Mr. Magoo when yeah. I was a kid, 
and uh, and it started me uh, making everything into Mr. Magoo references. Anyway, but uh, since I saw that okay. one more time, all right, I, Waldo, I, I genuinely <laughs> love Mr. Magoo. The, uh, it's a piece of work. Well, we're going to show at least one Mr. Magoo, I believe, on this on our on our on our TCM program on the twenty first of October mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yes. So then, yeah. Unless you have another question, but then uh, we're going to show an hour of uh, silent animation. From New York studios of the 1920s. Oh, actually, even earlier than that. We're going to go really? back to the beginning of animation. We're going to show you some of the earliest animated films ever. We're going to go into the 1920s with works, early works by the Fleischers, uh, Coco the Clown. We're going to show uh, Paul Terry, um, all sorts of early, early cartoons. Uh, this is because, because at that point, when we get to that point in the show, that's when we, uh, every Sunday night on TCM on, yeah. uh, at nine o'clock in the West Coast, uh, midnight in the East Coast, at that that hour, uh, every week at that time, they show silent films. That's their little silent film dedicated part. So All when right. we hit it, when we hit that point, we're going to start silent, silent animation, right? And uh, then we're going to follow up an hour of those rarities with, uh, and those come from the collection of a collector named Tom Staffis, a good friend of mine. I want to mention that with before I go further. Yes. Staffis? Yes. Okay. And uh, he has a blog, uh, cartoonsonfilm.com. And, okay. Uh, but... Um, we're going to follow that with the final final thing of the night during their silent period is uh, the adventures of Prince Ahmed. This is the first existent animated feature from 1926. Okay, the adventures of Prince Ahmed. Yes. Now here's the thing about that. Let me give you the quick bullet points yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it the first animated feature uh, preceding Snow White, preceding Disney. Right. It's it's also um, practically a one-woman show. It was done by a woman, Lottie really? Lottie Reniger, great Lottie Reniger. German French filmmaker, Anim- who, animator, animator, well? animator. Absolutely. But the thing is, she had a specialty. What she did, and she did this her whole life. She did. She made this movie when she was young, when she was in her twenties. She she uh, lived into the nineteen seventies or so, and she made um her whole life, her whole career was she made what they call silhouette films, which are uh, animated films that uh, she would meticulously cut out paper of silhouettes of the characters and the backgrounds and whatever, and she would animate them. And it's insane. And wow. it's like an art film. It's like a yeah. German expressionist art film with a story. Great yeah. story. Even even adult. There's a there's even a nude scene in it, but keep in mind, this is a silhouette film. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's, a, there's a scene where the prince goes to a, a place, a, a bathing spot of nymphs, and they're you, they're clearly naked. Bow, and, chicka, bow, bow. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, but it's, uh, but it's, a silent it's pre-code. Film? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a silent film, but it's got uh, music, a score. It's got um, a color uh, because it was tinted, and this is a restored copy. And it's just a magnificent film to sit through and own and keep. And highly recommend you check it out. Cool. That's uh, so. That's our crazy evening. And what I'm hoping, and I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna let our audience in on this. No, I mean, please. what I'm hoping is, I did just, I just started a uh, Facebook page for the event, but. What I really want is, and what I hope is, um, this has been a campaign of mine for a long time to get classic animation on TCM. Because as time has gone by, I've seen, I grew up, you probably grew up with Looney Tunes on television, yeah. right? Uh, maybe you saw Disney cartoons when you were a kid on television. It was a terrible Tarzan uh, show yeah, that I, I used to watch where, where he was constantly <laughs> battling aliens. I'm not and talking about that. No. I'm talking about good stuff. You're talking about the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. I'm talking about the old theatrical cartoons, but I'm talking about, you know, uh, when I was a kid, and I, this may be, 
Well, no, you might have been, you might be of the, of the age, uh, where we had Woody Woodpecker, Mighty Mouse. We had all these old cartoons that were, yeah. they were old theatricals. They're not on TV anymore. In fact, none of this stuff is on, and they're barely showing the Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry on Cartoon Network, barely. Right. Most of this stuff is off the channel now. It's SpongeBob and all the new things they have, and that's right. wonderful. Some Kids, of that stuff is great. It's great, and I'm not going to put any of that down. But but the, the stuff we grew up with now and it's Mighty not a, Mouse is amazing. Right. And it's not about the stuff we grew up with. It's about good films. Right. It's about art. It's about preserving classic film. And the thing is, where in the TV landscape can these things be shown in the right way? I mean, you know, even TV Land doesn't show all the great old TV shows like they used to. Luckily, a few new channels have popped up, like Antenna TV. Yeah, Antenna TV, Me TV. <laughs> these things have popped up to show some of these great old things. But the old cartoons are not being screened; they're not being shown. And I decided a while ago mm-hmm. nice. that I just decided that TCM is the perfect place for that because they really celebrate and care about classic American and any 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 country, but American film. Right. And um, these cartoons, especially the Warner Brothers cartoons, the MGM cartoons, the Fleischer Paramount cartoons, these are treasures. These are jewels of Hollywood history that yeah. are just considered as old kids fodder by the by the. Studios, they really right. don't care about this stuff, and and in many cases they haven't seen it. Right, even TCM people. Right, where you're like, no, you're right. if you got a chance, because there's so many things that when I have people on the show, and I there's just so much content. Yeah, and you can't see all. Right, of it. and when I'm introduced to the Thin Man, and right. I'm like, right, why have I never seen this a exactly. hundred thousand? Exactly, times? and and the weird thing is, yeah, it it, it, it the weird thing is you ever look at old TV guides. I have a friend who has a complete <laughs> collection. Really, and whenever I go over, I. I, I go through another section of them and you know, you, you open up a 1960s one and there's the thin man and there's all the cartoons and there's all that Hollywood history was just being run on a daily basis. And obviously I grew up with that and people of our era grew up with the history of Hollywood on television every day. Right. They didn't have a million cable channels, but we at least had everything else. I'll tell you when John was Wayne all there, died, yeah. uh, it, I remember thinking it was when the first time I realized Oh, and someone famous dies. They show all of his shows, and it was before. So you were, you were rooting for people to die. Exactly. I was like, "Where Jimmy Stewart's got to fall over?" I mean, can you imagine so when Jerry can... Lewis goes? Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're now party. So, so the thing is, the um, I've been lobbying. I have friends. I have six degrees of separation. I sure we haven't talked about all the crazy things I do, but one of the things I do is I, I've uh, I I consult to Warner Home Video on their on their old cartoon uh, when they put out cartoon DVDs. I, I'm I love involved. a guy who makes a living doing his dorkdom. That's it, That's right I there. Do, man. That's what I do all day. That's and awesome. so I, um, uh, I've always been like one degree away from knowing somebody at TCM, but I didn't really know anybody. And I, I ended up speaking to somebody, and they, they, and I, like I am, now, I geeked out on the phone. And I said, you know, what? you should be, you should be showing Gulliver's Travels, man. You, you should be showing UPA, car- you know, you, you know, UPA cartoons. They're, they're great, they're man. You know, and I, and the guy, the guy was listening to me. Wonderful guy who yeah. programs. Uh, uh, TCM. That's so great. And I ended up, and he was like, okay. And we ended up having this conversation and we ended up continuing it for a couple of months and all, no money, man. I just wanted you to do, I just want them to do it. Yeah, I someone want, needed to do it. I didn't it. have to be involved. I just wanted right, to throw there, the idea in your head. There has to be a 19 year old yeah, bearded yeah. youth who gets to see this stuff because right. he'd love it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, lady with totally. a tramp stamp on totally. your, on, on your upper butt, you're going to love this stuff. I'm going to go turn off my phone again. All right. Cause that's what I'm like. It just goes on automatically. Well. Yeah. 
Yeah, you turned off the phone, and uh, no. So I finally talked to someone at TCM, and I and I I gave them a whole load of my thoughts on what they could do, and I didn't expect anything out of it. And we had conversations that went on for months, one like one one conversation per month for months, and then and then I um and then they finally. And they, they were they were they were telling me oh we're working on it we're we're gonna do this you know blah 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 and, and um, classic and and then and then finally classic showbiz where they're like hurry up and wait yeah. you give me every idea I, I want to empty you I, out that's all right I was all you know if they took oh, them and, and ran I would have been happy because all I, I love TCM I watch it all it's on if I'm not watching MSNBC I'm watching TCM is that it pretty much if if Are I could those just have those two? Two, yeah if, well if I could have two maybe I'd probably have a Ten channels tops. If I really could a la carte the channel thing, I. You know what? That's yeah. exactly what I want to do. I want to a la carte the channels. Yeah. And I'm like, you can have seventy well, they, bucks they, a month if if I can just have the seven channels yeah, that I exactly. want. Exactly. And so, um, anyway, the guy finally in one of the later conversations, he said, "Well, you know, we want we might want to have you on with Robert." And I'm like, "Really? Yes, you please. Know. Yes, please." I, I, of course, inside I'm going, "I want to do that," but. <laughs> But I can't believe you'd want me to do that, you know. But uh, any how long, long did you guys record? Um, we uh, oh well, I was. You're chatty, Jerry. I know. Is your chatty? No, so, no. So was the, it all right? When you go to when you go into their studio, uh, they have their schedule. They got an agenda, and you work to their schedule, you know. Excellent. Uh, so it's the, it was pretty efficient, but oh, we, they were uh, very efficient. But it was a couple. Of, it took well, probably an hour. I mean, oh, uh, to do the intros. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, roughly, uh, maybe a little more. Maybe was it all longer. written, or did you get to write it? No. Nope. Well, only in that if they asked me something, I said whatever was on my mind. If oh, that counts go. as writing, although I did help. Well, I shouldn't talk about this. I, I did help a little with the the, the intros to the intros. I, I that's helped it. A little bit well, with that. no, because that's. I mean, yeah. that's what I really enjoyed at Cartoon Dump was sort of the 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 stuff that you dropped that was like crazy. If you want to go with a Harry Otter instead of the Mighty Robot, oh, okay. it won't stick. Yeah. All right, we've learned that. We're talking about coasters, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast. Today. My next guest is a coaster dork. Yeah. <laughs> He's a coaster dork. I wish I had a coaster dork. What that would heck? be cool. Um, the um, so anyway, it was it was it was very cool. I was down there for the whole day. I did I, did, I, I hung out and you know and got to hang out. I got to hang out with with them and ate lunch with them and uh, I actually did it. I did it. Actually, did a podcast for TCM as well while I was down there and uh, uh, some other I, other yeah, little. Things. I like TCM. I like. Yeah, uh, I it's like very the cool. Idea. They're great. I love you guys. I want to come back. No, but here's the thing. This is the important part. Yes. The important part is whether I come back or not is not the issue. I want there to be buzz. I want there to be because they've got no. They don't. They don't do ratings. You know. You notice how they have no commercials. They don't need ratings. Commercial ratings are only for commercials, so they can find out how many people are watching, so they can tell their advertisers, "Hey, right. you're going to get." They don't have commercials, so they don't have ratings. Wait, does TCM not have commercials? Right, TCM doesn't at have all. commercials at all. You notice how none of the movies are interrupted by a commercial, and plus, in between, they just show short subjects, or they have Robert Osborne explain about the film, or they just advertise right. what the next thing that's right. going to be on TCM. That's it. So and that's it. That's it. There's no commercials. You haven't noticed Wait, that. No, I never <laughs> noticed that because that's what all of cable. It's was supposed free. to be, remember? Oh, yeah, back in the original days. They said that the yes. reason you're going to have to pay for it is because there's not going to be any coke ads. Yes, that's right. And you're like, oh, you're lying. You're right. You, you're like, TCM may be the only, la- the last remaining HBO. original. Well, no, but HBO is a premium channel. You have to pay extra for that. Even more. TCM isn't. Right. So it's, it's, a, I can't think of any others that don't have commercials. Me neither. AMC has commercials, right. doesn't it? And there was a time where AMC went from having no commercials to commercials. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of those ones that started that way went to, went commercial. Then they, but anyway, yeah. so the point is, my point is, is that because they have no ratings, yeah. I, I, when I was down there, I said, 
very steelfully. I asked somebody, I said, I said, um, so how do you know if people like what we're doing and this is going right, to be, right. if this is popular, maybe you guys want to do it again. Mm-hmm, how would you mm-hmm. know that? He goes, oh, well, we just, we look at the chat boards. We look at the, uh, okay. you know, uh, you know, we look at our Facebook. We get buzz. You know, we, we get a vibe back from our fans. See what the Twitter feed yeah, says. Exactly. So, my fellow geekdoms, if you like the idea of classic animation regularly, even semi-regularly, even three or four times a year on on TCM, uh, buzz them. Uh, let yeah, them yeah. know that you think this is the coolest thing and TCM should do this. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I'm not against shilling for this because I don't care if it's – really, if my friend John Canemaker, another great animation historian, were to be the co-host – I'd, I'd be very happy if, right. if, if, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I could think of many, many other friends of mine and colleagues who could probably do what I did or do it even better, dare I say. But I, I, I. Or at least uh, a cavalcade. There, there yeah. could have like, yeah. there's five or six people that could go on and talk. About I, I just want to see classic animation on TCM. That's what I want to see. It's all I wanted to see from day one. And I'm happy to have had something to do with it and initiate this. But I want, I want to see it regularly. It's my dream. It's really is my dream. Honestly, I'd love to be a host on such a thing. Where do you think it stops? The classic. When does it turn into modern animation? Well, some people, some people would say that UPA was the beginning of modern animation, but I would say. If it started in 1927 or 1926. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, It's very debatable. I have a, I would only, I could only have a couple of answers. I'd say I would have no qualms showing anything up to 1960, which seems kind of late in some ways, but, um, uh, almost anything made prior to 1960 is really cool and really good and really worthy. Um, uh, was but, it all happening here or was it also? Because no. I know the Patrick Brady episode said um, that it was happening in, in Europe as well. But was it happening in Japan then? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we show at our uh, at our uh, our worst cartoons things, we show a show called Johnny Cypher in Dimension Zero, which is a uh, <laughs> actually an American produced show. But it was it was one of the earliest anime uh, shows. Uh, Johnny uh, Zypher? Johnny Cypher in Dimension Cypher. Zero. What's his premise? What's his problem? What's his, his problem? His premise is Dimension Zero. He's a he's a superhero. He's a uh, did you ever see those Hercules cartoons when yeah. you were a kid? Okay. Uh, same studio, except okay. those were made in New York. Okay. Uh, this studio, they decided, let's go, let's have a more sophisticated idea, a science fiction show, and we won't do it in New York, we'll send it to J- Japan so we can do it even cheaper. <laughs> and, uh, Johnny Cypher's a, uh, vagabond, r- soldier of fortune, superhero Mercenary. of the future. No, he's a, he's got his little, uh, Martian sidekick and a girlfriend, uh, and they travel around a spaceship, and whenever danger looms, he twists a knob on his belt buckle, Mm-hmm. And goes mm-hmm. into dimension zero, which to us might mean some kind of drug haze, but to him it meant turning into a kind of a tornado. This is how it's visualized. Right. He turns into a tornado who can fly, and he in theory has extra super strength or something okay. to beat up the Martians. And, and so, there's just and, and, and it's it, endlessly funny. It's endlessly funny because it's really poorly executed. Yes. Oh yeah, and not well written, not ideally uh, written. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, well, how, how sophisticated can you get with science fiction in six minutes? It's like, 
you know, Martians invade. He, you know, he does he something. Turns you his know. belt buckle and but, he knocks them all out. Yeah. Okay. We, we found some funny ones though. We, we found some, we found some very special episodes that we run. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what are you liking? Is there, is there newer stuff? Like what are your, what, what's your favorite stuff from the seventies and eighties and nineties and two thousands? Like I like the Animaniacs myself. Oh, you should, she's trying to get me, uh, get some kind of rise out of me out of Animaniacs. Oh, really? Is, is, I don't know what that is, means. Am I lighting you up? No, I like, I like Animaniacs. I like Tiny Toons. I like that stuff. That stuff's great. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people. I like Tiny Toons. I totally like them. All right. Well, I mean, I, 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 I thought those were, those are actually better even in, Pinky and the Brain's great. Better in retrospect, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, than, than even when in their day, in my opinion. I, I, I think they're really good shows now that we've seen the whole of what was produced during that time. Right. They really stand out. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, you know, I can go through the decades. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I mean, right now, Adventure Time, which is very popular, right. is a great show as far as I'm concerned. I know the guy, uh, Penn Ward. I got to meet him. Yes. He showed me how to make one of those sticks with, uh, two, two images and then you go back and forth. And oh, yeah. It's like yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. animated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I met him at Max Fun Con. Oh. Uh, which is some sort of weekend for, for, uh, these guys to do and they, they bring in and, and people are like, you could have a seminar. And so that guy, Penn, Ward was like oh. about what would I have a seminar? <laughs> so he had a seminar about. Um, he showed a couple of episodes of Adventure Time, which is great. It's it's a really great show. I like it's worthy. Brothers. It's worthy of his. Oh, that's good. Yes, those are, there's good stuff. I mean, I like Robot Chicken. That's on on, on Adult Swim. I like. Um, I mean, I still like. I'm I'm one of those people who don't doesn't think The Simpsons has gone down in quality. I think it's still a good show, actually. Yeah. Um, that's hard. I mean, right now, I I did. I mean, and of course, SpongeBob. I know it's a kiddie show. It's a kid show. I'm actually working on a SpongeBob uh, project right now, uh, book project. But uh, but I've been looking at the early episodes, in particular, of SpongeBob, and that's actually a really good show. It was, it's and it's worth again worthy yeah, the of the success. The first three seasons. The first three seasons were amazing, and then, uh, <laughs> but not. Not that it isn't still good, but the earlier stuff is, for some reason, just a little. The movie sharper. is good too. Have you ever seen the SpongeBob SquarePants movie? I it's have very not. Good. Oh, oh okay. you very owe nice. yourself a treat. You know, I have I have seen almost all of the um the and the new animated movies when animated movies oh, come oh, out. Oh, you do. Yeah, most of the Pixar and yeah, and um, there's a lot. That's where the good stuff, if there's in the commercial realm, is today. I mean, yeah, it's uh. I saw Brave. Yeah, Brave I saw is Tangled. good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Tangle's good. It's, um, I saw Wreck It Ralph. Did you see Wreck It Ralph? Yeah. Which is the, 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 the video game one, right? Yeah, it's good. Is it good? I think it's great. Yeah. It's it funny. It looks great. It's very funny. It looks smart and funny and good. It is. Those are, those all sum up what, uh, and the best use of a Drake's cake ever in a cartoon. <laughs> and I'll leave you to I can't remember figure out what Drake's, that means. Right. It'll be in the notes. It's, uh, so, so what people should do, is they should definitely tune in October 21st. Yeah. To, uh, the TCM. They should go to cartoonbrew.com. Definitely. If you want to see the best in new animation, shorts, student films around the world, all sorts of stuff. That's what we highlight on Cartoon uh, Brew amongst news and other things, gossip. And- Deb, did you see the animated of my joke? It was an ad for my new, uh. I did on your website. Yeah, the current. I thought that was very well done. Incredibly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, 
the guy who did it, and it was a team six point express, but Greg Franklin, uh, was the lead on that, and he. Now when you say six point, do you mean six point harness? Mm, I think the name of the, the company is Hollywood six point Express. Hollywood? No? no oh, then it is six point express. Okay, excuse me, I don't know. Yeah. And, well, I don't know what they, um, but it's, I wanted him to do the entire album, and the album's like two years old now, right? At which point people are like, why don't you do a new album? I was like, you write a fucking joke. Why don't you do that? <laughs> and, uh, so, but the, uh, yeah, he did what I what I like about the difference between stand up and animation was that is that I do the joke, right? Right. The joke I'm very proud of. And the guy who did the animation, Greg Franklin and his crew, uh found so many jokes in the images uh-huh. that enhance the joke mm-hmm. and make the whole thing as a group just so freaking hilarious. Right. Just stuff in the background. Cats and a baby Bjorn thing. Right. There's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, the, the foam house of tomorrow or whatever it is that the tortoise is walking past in the background. I mean, there's just, he, the background stuff is amazing and it just made the, the joke that much funnier. So that's one of the great things I like about animation is that it can take the written word and make it. Yeah. It's it's not just that's the problem. Some people think it's just the dialogue and then and the, the drawings don't have to do anything. And some people think it's the drawings and you don't need anything else to explain it. I mean, yeah, I guess you could do a pantomime cartoon that might work. I'm sure there have definitely been such things. No, there have. But um but um but if you have them both working in concert, so to speak. Yes. That's also the mark of a great comic strip too, by the way. Uh where it's both humorously said and the drawing Compliments or compliments. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the first ones that I ever read that did that was Pogo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which was crazy good. Yes. And weirdly. Yes. Just so weird, but so well written. Yes. And then you're like, what is happening in yes. the side of this guy? Co- and if of this you don't frame? know Pogo, there's a wonderful new compilation book. I think it's part one of a series from Fanographics collecting the entire strip. Totally get that. Okay. Yeah. The first one's out. It's sort it's of like out. a, um, a beautiful, yes. like a well-bound yeah. kind yep. of situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Andy. Uh, I, for four years in a row, I got Andy the Sandman, the the newly colored sheets of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Yeah, thing. yeah, we're so. living in a great world where that stuff's being collected in a way that it hadn't been before. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's yeah, it's neat. Jerry Beck, this has been a treat. Oh no, don't tell me it's over. I know it. It's over. See, I knew it. We didn't get to any of the stuff. We didn't get to talk about anything. We didn't talk about. I know. We it's didn't talk so, about anything. We didn't talk about anything. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk but about But I'll have thing. you back. I'll have you back. Okay. And then uh, what, what will be your next topic? And I'll write it down. My next topic would be, uh, no, I mean, I, I worked, I, I, I don't know. We I feel like, I feel like we can riff off, right, there you go. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in all I like sorts Abbott of Costello. things. I'm into I pop culture, him. everything, all the TV shows we grew up with and. Sure. You know, I'm into all of that stuff, but I, I always think you can, uh, Ask me questions about uh, aspects of things that I did in my strange little history. You know, whether I've distributed Japanese anime or sure, we can do. We could talk about distribution. You know, this film distribution. Film. I'm an expert. You're- I, I, I know all about all that stuff. <laughs> Fantastic, Jerry Beck. You're doing good work. Continue. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Hi. So you just listened to Jerry Beck talk about animation and everything, and we could have him back, and he could talk about a million things. But I didn't do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to put this audio with the rest of the audio, and he's going to level it all. It's going to be beautiful, Patrick Brady. Vilmos fixes the websites. The websites are, of course, JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. Mike Rickberg sang at the beginning of the show, and he's going to sing again in a minute. And, of course, there's always merch. There's always... um 
magnets and patches that you can just hit the donation button and send me two to five dollars. And there's also the regular donation button. Feel free to donate if you enjoy the show, uh, because then I would have money to put on more shows, live and whatever. I'm doing the live podcast. I'm doing the podcast festival in um, Los Angeles this next week. And I'm also doing a podcast festival in New York in January, to my knowledge. Uh, more on that later. Thanks for listening, folks. See ya. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?